Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. This is a busy time of the year, isn't it? We've had a lot of graduations. I'm so proud of all of those who have graduated. Congratulations to you. Congratulations, mom and dad, for getting them to that point. Uh, You have people who had graduated um, uh, cum laude, summa cum laude. I graduated, thank the laude. (laughs) But it's a great time of the year. And this is a very special weekend. It certainly is. This is Memorial Day weekend. And there's probably not a family in this room that has not been touched by the loss of someone who died in service of our country. And I think it's important for those watching online, those of us in the room, to take a moment to honor the memories of those who made it possible for the freedoms that you and I enjoy each and every day. So let's pray for the families and let's honor the memories of those before we get into the message now. Father, we thank you that we live truly in the greatest country on the face of the earth. Thank you, Father, for the freedoms that we enjoy, the freedom to assembly this morning, to be able to, to assemble rather, to be able to worship you without fear, to be able, Lord, to, to travel, to be able, Father, to work where we want to work, to do the things that we feel we should do. And we sometimes take those freedoms for granted. And yet, Lord, we're reminded on this weekend that those freedoms were bought and paid for with the blood of patriots. And so we honor their memories. All of us have been touched in some way by the sacrifices of others. As your word has said, there's no greater love than one could demonstrate than to lay down their life for their friends. So bless this weekend as we celebrate with family and friends. Help us also to remember and commemorate the lives of those lost. And we give you thanks and praise in Christ's name. Amen. I heard about a young paratrooper who was uh, preparing for his first jump, and it was ironic because he had always been afraid of, of heights. And so he was just very anxious, very nervous about his first jump. And so the instructor told him, it's really not, not difficult at all. Here's what you do. They're gonna tell you when to jump. You simply go out of the plane, your parachute will automatically open. And if for some reason it doesn't open, you have a reserve chute. You count to three and you pull the ripcord on the reserve chute. That chute will open, you'll float to the ground, a truck will be there to pick you up, take you back to the base. The young man said, sir, I'm sorry, could you go through that one more, I'm just real nervous, could you go through that one more? He goes, okay, I'll go through it one more time. You're gonna get on the plane, they're gonna tell you when to jump. When you go out of the plane, the chute will automatically open and if for some reason it doesn't open, you wait till three, you pull your reserve chute, it'll open, you'll float to the ground, a truck will be there to take you back to the base. They get on the plane, they're getting close to altitude. He asks the guy next to him, well, could you go through that one more time with me? I'm just a little nervous. Man, look, they're gonna tell you when to jump, the chute will open. If it doesn't, you got a reserve, you pull it and you're gonna float to the ground truck will be there to pick you up and you'll go back to the base. So the time came. The guy said, okay, it's time to jump. He goes out of the plane and wouldn't you know it, his chute does not open. He counts to three. He pulls the ripcord and guess what? His reserve does not open. And they said they heard him say as he has fallen to the ground, I bet that truck won't be there either. (laughs) 
Well, I say that to say sometimes the best laid plans, the best, uh, you, you know, the best plans you can do just go, go sideways. It just doesn't work out the way we plan. And, and what I wanna drive home this morning to your thinking and to your hearts is the fact that God will often use the, pro- the, the problems that you and I face in life to help us progress. God will often use the problems you and I face in, in life to teach us things about ourselves about his character that we would never have seen otherwise. Now we're looking at the life of Joseph and we're just kind of doing a 10,000 foot view of Joseph's life. And last weekend we started talking about how Joseph was a young man who pursued God's purpose for his life. Remember we talked about the significance of the dream and God had instilled in the heart of this young man a dream. He And he began at that moment at 17 years old he began to pursue God's purpose for his life. And, and one of the things I hope we took away from the message is the idea that anything God, um, anything God desires for you to do, there's four things that he will do in, 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 in addition to that desire. He will enable you to do what he's called you to do. Remember I said your, uh, what was it, your, uh, your design will fit your dream. He will enable you, and then he will empower you to do what he's called you to do. The third thing he will do is he will encourage you because remember we said problems are going to hit and we're gonna talk about this morning. Uh, So he'll empower you to do it. And then the fourth and final thing that God will inevitably do as you are uh, following him is he will equip you, he will enable you, he will encourage you, and he will empower you. And so if, he, if he's designed you to do it, and as you pursue it, these are four things you can count on that will accompany his purpose for your, for your life. Some of you may have gifts that you're not even aware of. You, you may have abilities that you haven't even tapped into. Oftentimes, the problems that we face in life make us aware of abilities that we didn't even know we had. You remember Moses, the great story of Moses, he was called on by God to lead Israel out of the Egyptian bondage. You remember when God first approached him in Exodus 4 and said, you're gonna be the guy. You're going to appeal to Pharaoh to let my people go. And you remember how uh, Moses felt like he was inadequate. I, I just don't think I can do that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not gifted. That, that's not something that I feel that I'm able to do. And I love what God says to him in Exodus 4 uh, about verse 2 and change. He said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? And then he said, remember a staff, a shepherd's staff. Remember he said, throw it down, it became a snake. Then he said, pick it up. God has a sense of humor, don't you know? Pick that snake up and it became a staff again. But the point I don't want you to miss from that illustration is the fact that when Moses felt inadequate to do what God called him to do, God said to him, what is in your hand? In other words, the idea is Moses already had everything he needed to do what God had called him to do. What's in your hand? (laughs) What is your gift? What are your abilities? What is your personality type? That's in your hand. God has already given that. And then Moses turned around and said, well, I'm not not articulate. I, I can't really speak well. And many scholars believe that Moses may have had some type of a speech impediment that really inhibited his ability to speak clearly. And, and so, but, but what was interesting about it is God doesn't even take that into consideration. Essentially what he was saying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've got some setbacks in your life or you have some uh, uh, difficulty even speaking. God was saying whatever you have, it is enough. 
So don't make excuses. And what I would tell you as you are discovering God's purpose for your life, don't make any excuses. God will use the thing he's gifted you with. He will use what you have. And you may have gifts that you're not aware of until you begin to passionately pursue the things he's called you to do. Now, let me give you the bad news about the good news. The good news is God has a purpose, and he expects us to passionately pursue the purpose. The bad news about the good news is the moment you begin to pursue your purpose, problems will inevitably come. The laws of physics, right? Anything moves has friction. And so there will always be some resistance to your life as you pursue God's a purpose. Now, when you study the Bible, it's interesting. You'll see this cycle throughout Scripture, that times of blessing are always followed by times of testing. God will bless you in some way, and then he will test you in another way. Think about the analogy of going to school, right? The test that you took, your finals, were preparing you for life at the next level. Uh, our fifth graders took their finals, and those finals were preparing them for sixth grade. And our sixth graders took finals that was preparing them for life at seventh grade. So as you progressively move along in life, the time of blessing, the graduation, is followed by a time of testing, the next challenges at the grade level, which will be harder and a little more difficult because you are progressively moving along in your education. And if that's true of education, it's certainly true of life. The Bible says in uh, uh, Psalm 37, the steps, steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. In other words, God has orchestrated the steps that we take, and he talks about life as a series of steps. Each step you take moves you progressively further on in your life, on in your career, on in your relationship. One step takes you to the next level. And I've shared this with you before. What was your ceiling at one point, if you'll continue to take steps, will eventually be your floor. The thing that you didn't think you could get beyond, the thing you didn't think you could accomplish, if you will just incrementally, if you will just intentionally continue to take steps and progress step by step, day by day, moment by moment, what you will soon discover is that which was at one time a ceiling is now a floor. God is moving us progressively along. So don't be surprised or dismayed when you discover that these times of blessing in your life will be followed by times of testing. Let me give you some examples. In Matthew 4, right after the baptism of Jesus, the next thing that happened was the great temptation of Christ. You look in 1 Kings 18 and 19, Elijah the prophet calls down fire from heaven. And in the very next chapter, he's running for his life from uh, Jezebel. If you look in Luke chapter 22, Peter walks on the water, and then it isn't long until he denies Jesus three different times. You look in Genesis chapter six and down the, all the way through uh, chapter nine, you have the beautiful story of Noah's ark and then they get off the boat and Noah gets drunk. <laughs> so you have that. And then you have Acts nine, you have this conversion of Paul and then following the conversion of Paul, the Jews try to kill him. So what's the point? These wonderful times of blessing in the Bible are often followed by times of, of testing. One of the oldest books in the Bible, many scholars believe it is the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job. Uh, and in Job chapter 14 and verse one, it opens this way, man who is born of woman, and that's pretty much all of us. Man who is born of woman, he says, are a few days, and then here's how he describes those days. Those days are full of trouble. You remember the cycle we talked about? You're in trouble this morning. Right now you're in trouble. 
or you're getting out of trouble this morning, it's, getting, it's going away, or guess what? You're about to get back into trouble. <laughs> it is a series that will happen in, in, in our lives, and it's just something we need to be aware of. And certainly that was true of Joseph. Joseph was pursuing his dream. He had shared the dream with his brothers, and the pushback was they were trying now to kill him, to destroy the dream. Look in Genesis chapter 37, a couple of verses I wanna give you for our text and for our thinking. In verse 23, it says, and it came to pass. I love the song they sang a moment ago, that this too shall pass. Many times in the Bible, you'll read that expression, and it came to pass. I love what one old preacher said, thank God it didn't come to stay. <laughs> Things come to pass, but it came to pass that when Joseph was coming to his brethren, they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was upon him, and they took him and cast him into a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it. His brothers literally stripped him of that coat of many colors his father had given him. They literally throw him into a pit, and they leave him for dead. So what I don't want you to miss is, as this young man was pursuing his purpose, the next thing that happened was enormous problems. Remember the cycle, blessings followed by testing. So let me point out four things that you could know about problems when they hit your life. Number one, problems are essential, not incidental. Problems are, uh, they are essential. They are necessary, they are not incidental. I don't think anything just happens. I think God either does one of two things with the problems you and I face in life. He either causes the things that we go through to happen or he allows the things that we go through to happen. And he has a plan, he has purpose. When Jesus described his kids, he said, all that the Father have given me are in my hand and no one can take them from my hand. Well, get that analogy. If we are in his hand, uh, this anthropomorphic term, the hand, if we are in his hand, then the only way something can get to us, it has to first go through him. That makes sense? We're in his hand. So if something happens to you or me and we're his kids and we're in his hand, he either caused it or he allowed it. I go back to Job, remember the challenge that the devil made before uh, to God about Job. He said, the reason Job loves you and serves you is nothing ever goes wrong in his life. He's a blessed individual. You've got him protected. In fact, the devil said in chapter one, you have a hedge around him. You built a fence around him. Now, let me ask you a question. How did the devil know that? <laughs> Unless he had already come after him. The devil knew he had a hedge around him because he had already tried to get at Job and God had protected him, and here's what the devil said. Here was a challenge, lower the hedge. You let me at him, and he will deny his faith, and he'll curse you. And God said, you don't know my servant Job. You don't know the stuff that kid's made of. He won't recant, he won't walk away. I mean, you, you absolutely, you, can, you can't touch his life, but you can touch everything that he has. And you have the incredible, challenging uh, uh, story in, in the Old Testament of the book of Job. My point is simply this, nothing can hit my life or your life without God allowing it or without God orchestrating it. Uh, and listen to what James, uh, chapter one, listen to what James had to say about problems, not being essential or being essential and not incidental. He says, this trying of your faith, the testing of your faith, the problems that get into your life that stretch your faith. And let me stop before I move off of that James passage. 
That's the first thing that happens when you go through a problem. It tests your faith. Uh, Have you ever gone through something in life? I know I have, where you've said, God, why this? Why me? Why now? Where it didn't make sense. And the very first thing that gets challenged is your faith. Man, I'm in church. I'm, I'm, I'm... Man, I'm I'm giving, I'm serving, I read the Bible, I pray, I try to live a good life, I I try to be a person of integrity, I I try to do the best I I can with with, with what I have to to be a blessing to other people, and why is all this coming against me? And I'm just suggesting to you that when you go through those moments, the first thing that gets tried or tested is your faith. And what I would tell you about that is, you and I, we really don't know, we don't know, how strong our faith is until it is tested. It's really easy in a room like this, we're in a big old holy huddle, <laughs> to talk about how strong our faith is. But guys, when we break huddle and we go back out there in the real world and you don't have all the support you have around you right now and you don't have all the sympathetic people around you that you have in this room right now, uh, when you get back out there in the real world, it, it's easy, it, it's easy to feel all alone. And in those moments, you feel, man, I, I, I just don't know. Is my faith strong enough? Can I withstand this? Can I endure this? And James says, here's what you know about this. It's not incidental. The trying of your faith is going to work patience. It's going to work patience. It's going to work for you. What is patience? Remember, another idea of patience is endurance. We talk about this a lot here. Uh, the idea that when you pray, when you go through problems, God will inevitably do one of two things. He will either fix the problem or he'll give you strength to deal with it. Endurance is the idea of being able to carry something heavy. Remember when Paul prayed that the thorn in his flesh would be removed? And Paul said, I prayed three times. Now, I I think probably he prayed more than that. But he said, I can remember three distinct times when I really, man, I went, God, please remove this from me. Remove this thorn in the flesh. And God basically said no. In fact, how he responded to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you. God will either remove the thing from your life or he'll give you strength to deal with the thing. And in this case, James is saying, one of the things God does with problems is the trying of your faith will produce patience in your life. It will give you strength. It will give you the ability to endure difficulty. So he goes on to say there in James 1, so let patience have her perfect work. He says, so go with it, baby. (laughs) I mean, just go with this. Uh, Understand God's got a purpose. He's got a plan. Don't you give up. Don't you give out. Don't give in. Know that the problem you're going through this morning, God is working in and through it. He's allowed it for some reason. So let this process happen. And he said at the end result, he said, uh, again, uh, James chapter one, now verse four, he said, then you will be mature and entire, lacking nothing. If you can just go through the process, if you can get to the problem and you realize this is essential for me, God is equipping me, he's giving me something in the midst of the problem that I wouldn't have gotten any other way. It is essential. Ultimately, I will lack for nothing. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my go-tos when I'm going through something uh, is trust in the Lord. He said, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He didn't say understand the Lord. Did you catch that? He didn't say agree with the Lord. Have you found you've gone through things in life God didn't ask your opinion about? I've never never had any of that happen to me. 
I've never, I've never had God say, hey, Bill, just before you go through this, let me check this with you. Is this cool with you? Never. He, he didn't say, understand me. He didn't say, agree with me. He said, trust me, trust me. You're gonna have to trust me on this. You're just gonna to have to go with me, and not just a little, you're gonna to have to trust in the Lord with all your heart, with every fiber of your being. You're gonna to have to go all in. And don't try to lean on your own understanding because you're limited to what you understand. Our understanding is so limited. We're limited to what we know. That's why it's terrible to try to judge someone else or someone else's circumstance, because you don't know. You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what they're dealing with in that marriage. You don't know what kind of crazy they're raising, those little kids. <laughs> Somebody said they're having trouble with their kids going through that terrible season of adolescence, right? They asked this woman, a friend said, honey, if you had to do it all over again, would you still have kids? She said, yeah, I just don't think I'd have the same ones. <laughs> but you gotta be careful when you judge someone going through a season, you don't have, you don't have the facts. So he said, look, he didn't say don't have understanding. He just said, be careful leaning too heavily on your understanding because you don't have all the facts. You know who does? God. So don't you imagine when Joseph was in the pit betrayed by his own brothers, don't you imagine for a while he was spinning out a little bit? What's going on? Man, God, all I've done is try to pursue you and I just tried to share what you'd poured into my heart with the people I thought who loved me and now here I am going through something I don't think I deserve. And, and, and it seemed as, as though, and when you look at the whole story of Joseph, it seems as though God was saying, this is necessary. You, you don't see it now, but eventually you'll see what I was doing in your life, the character I was instilling in you in the moments of your most difficult experiences. He says, James says, you, 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 this is gonna work for you. <laughs> And ultimately, you're going to lack nothing because you've gone through it. Listen to the 119th Psalm, the 71st verse. Listen to what David wrote. Now, this, this, this put your chin strap on. Listen to this. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? Listen, that I might learn your statutes. Wow. David said, that was good for me. <laughs> have you ever gotten to the point where you could thank God for the problems that you're facing? Thank you, Lord. I don't know, man. I try to do that. Um, I can't lie. I, I, I struggle doing that. That's a better word. James says, well, back in James 1, remember, count it all joy when you go into diverse situations. I count it all joy when I'm coming out of them, don't you? But that's not what he said. You think him going in. You know why? Because you know it's essential. It's not incidental. So Lord, I don't, this doesn't, I don't agree. It doesn't make sense. I don't like it, it's painful, it's difficult, but here's what I know, I'm in your hand. For some reason, you've either caused this or you allowed this, so I'm going with this because I'm believing some way I'm gonna learn something in this experience that I would not learn otherwise. There's a great passage in Hebrews 12, verse 27, where he says, into a life there will be shaking, shaking, like an earthquake. Think about the earthquake shaking a building. And you know once an earthquake hits a building, they discover a lot of things about the integrity of the building. Engineers will study the structure to see the things that still remain and the things that fell away. That's exactly what he was writing in Hebrews 12, 27. When my life and your life goes through a shaking, when you get through it and you get on the other side of it, you can look back on it and you can see the things in your life that fell away. By the way, you can see the people in your life who fell away. 
and you can see the ones who are still standing. So sometimes problems are essential. They're not incidental because it reveals who your true support team is. You really don't know who's with you till you go through something like that. And when you're building, when your life gets shaken, everything and everyone else that shouldn't be a part of you falls away from you. And what is remain, the principle of Hebrews 12, 27, what remains are the people and the things that are permanent. And so Joseph begins, begins to learn the problems are essential, not incidental. Second lesson, problems are inevitable. They are inevitable and they are not, but they are not inescapable. Inevitable, but not inescapable. They're going to end. You're gonna go through it, but it's gonna end. You're gonna go through it. You're, you're not just gonna go into it, you're gonna go through it. You get the difference? Meaning, I, I, if I went into problems, that means I won't come out of them. I'm just going in there, I'm not coming out. But it, think about, remember the 23rd Psalm, that beautiful promise of heaven where he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Same idea. He didn't say I'm walking into the valley of the shadow of death because if he had worded it that way, it would lead you to believe that death is an experience that one goes into that they never come out of. That's not what he said. He said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death meaning that I'm going into an experience that I will come out of. That's problems. Problems are things we go through. We don't just go into them, we go through them. So they are inevitable, they are not inescapable. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Listen to this, 1 Peter 4, 12. Think it not strange concerning the difficult trials which are to try you. You hear what he said? Don't think that strange concerning the trials that we're gonna go through, which are to try you. He said, so don't, don't think it's strange. In other words, don't be shocked. Uh, the, the, these things are inevitable. They're going to come. Problems are gonna hit your life. These things are a part of living life. And so he said, you can, you can understand. This is just going to happen. You, you, you can get through it. Uh, I'm reminded of the story of the three Hebrew teenagers. Remember in Daniel 3? when they were faced with Nebuchadnezzar's challenge to recant the faith, to bow before the false image that he had erected. And at the sound of the music, they were to bow and they said, we won't bow. And he said, if you don't, you're going into the furnace. You remember that story? And then the Bible says that they said to the king, look, when he called them up and called them out, and they said, guys, you got one chance. You're either gonna bow and you're gonna recant your faith or you're gonna die. And here's what they said, and this is powerful. They said, understand this king, we're not going to bow and our God is able to deliver us. He's able to give us a way of escape. But then they said, but even if he doesn't, they recognized the fact God was powerful enough to get them out of the situation, but even if he allowed them to go through the situation, they still weren't gonna recant their faith. What's the point? The point is God can prevent problems from coming in our life, he can. But sometimes his purpose is for us to go through the problems that come through our life because he's got a greater reason. What happened in the story that I've just given you was when the king looks into the fire, they should have been consumed, but instead he sees four in the fire. And then he makes the comment, the fourth is likened to the son of God. And so God received glory through the three young men's faith after they had gone through the fire in a greater way than he would have ever received had they never gone through the fire. What's the point? You may not see it now, you may not understand it now. It may not make sense now. But if you'll stay the course and keep the faith, 
At some point in your experience, you'll realize God had a plan, he had a purpose. I, I love what the apostles said about Jesus. There's a beautiful line in Mark where they said about Jesus, they said, he does all things well. Think about that. He does all things well. Never, never makes a mistake. Never dropped one of his kids. Never abandoned one of his kids. Never betrayed one of his kids. The apostle says he does all things well. And that's what happens when we go through the problems we face in life. We get to that point that sometimes the divine appointments are found in disappointments. None of this Joseph planned. He didn't plan on any of this going this way. But he realized that in my disappointment, God has a divine appointment. He has a purpose. He can be trusted. So problems are inevitable, not inescapable. Here's the last thought, and we'll go home. Problems are defining, defining, and they don't have to be defeating. Problems are defining, and they don't have to be defeating. There's a plaque by the Berlin Wall that says, the tragedy of this wall was not that it was built, but that we grew accustomed to it. You see, problems are something you go through. You realize, I'm moving on. I'm going to better days. In fact, the entire book of Hebrews, the theme of the book is better things. These problems I'm going through are, are going to take me to better days. They, they, they'll define my character and define my life. I don't have to let what I'm going through defeat me. Do you know what the two words Jesus uttered more than any other two words while he ministered here on the earth? You know what they are? You won't be surprised when you hear me say this. Fear not, fear not. He said that more than anything else, fear not. Don't be afraid, you're gonna be okay. I got you, I got this, you're going to be okay. I love what the late, great Winston Churchill once said. He said, if you are going through hell, just keep going. <laughs> just keep moving. Don't give up, don't give in. Don't give out. Here this young man was, betrayed by his own brothers, betrayed by people closest to him. I talked about a minute ago, people can fall away from your life. I think the greatest betrayal are the people that are closest to you. The people that know you and the people that, uh, the dog doesn't even bark when they come around. <laughs> and sometimes the devil will use people like that to get next to you, to take advantage of you, to manipulate you, to get what they're, they're, they want, their agenda out of you. And sometimes it's the people closest to you that hurt you the deepest and hurt you the most. Well, don't you think the devil knows that? I mean, Paul said, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. David knew the betrayal of a son named Absalom who tried to usurp his authority and take his throne. Sometimes it's the people closest to you and sometimes the devil will use even good people to do very bad things. David wrote in Psalm 41, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my table has turned against me. So don't be surprised, don't be shocked. Understand God may use those experiences of life to reveal the people around you and the circumstances around you. And one day you'll look back and say, I'm glad that didn't defeat me. What that did was help define me. I mentioned in one of the services last weekend that I thought about um, Goliath and that conflict with David. And I thought about how that was a defining moment for David's life. Have you ever thought about it that way? David wasn't going up to that area to, you know, to get involved in a fight. 
he was taking food to his brothers. And I'm sure as a young man, he wanted to see a fight. You know, every kid enjoys that. And, but when he gets there, he doesn't see a shooting war. He sees a shouting war. They're just yelling at each other. And he sees the enemy of the Philistines, Goliath, as he goes out and he challenges. And remember something in David's heart just stirred. And he decided he could step up and take on Goliath. And you know the story, how he took him down with the, one of those five smooth stones that he found with the slingshot. He defeated Goliath. And when you look back on that story in the Old Testament, you realize that one of the greatest things that happened to David was Goliath. <laughs> Goliath. Goliath was a defining moment for him. Goliath was something that put him on the king's radar. Goliath was something that brought the respect of his brothers and those fellow soldiers when they saw this young man is different from other young men. He's willing to do what other young men aren't willing to do. And in the moment, Goliath, the biggest challenge he had faced in his life on one hand became the defining moment of his life on the other hand. So you never know how God may use the problems you're going through right now in life, those problems to help define you. Just don't let them defeat you. Just keep your life in his hands. You keep pressing into him. You keep leaning on him. You keep looking to him. He will not fail because he can't fail. Let's pray. Father, thank you that on this Memorial Day weekend, we can be reminded of how you use problems in our life for our good and for your glory. We think of the problems our nation has confronted currently and in years gone by, how it has strengthened our country. In some ways, these problems have unified us and made us more determined. We think about the problems we've gone through in our personal life, our family life, our business life. And Lord, help us to realize that you will use those problems to strengthen us, to reveal things about us, to show us things about you that we may not have ever seen before. So I pray we walk away from this weekend with a new perspective on the problems we face, how we process the problems that we are confronted with. And I pray finally, Lord, for anyone in the room or anyone watching online who has never trusted you as their savior, that this would be that moment where they humble their heart and they say, Lord Jesus, with all that I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.